again, want to encourage you as you make your way to your seats, um, if you would grab your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, You may say, hey, wait a minute, I thought we were in a series in 1 John. You would be correct that we are. However, it seemed good to us and good to the Holy Spirit for us to pause in our series in 1 John to take a Sunday and to be reminded of the words of Christ as he calls us to participate with him in this great gospel proclamation. Wherever we are, wherever we go, the Lord wants to use us. And we believe as, as Easter is right around the corner and as we have opportunity at Easter time, sometimes people wonder, why do you Christians make such a big deal of the, the cross of Christ and the resurrection? Sometimes there's opportunities that God just places in our laps to share the faith and the hope that we have. And so we thought it would be good for us to be reminded of not, not some pastor's words, but the words of Christ as it relates to who we're to, to be about. We're to be about Christ. And, and you know, if you're anything like me, I can lose focus on that call. So, so when I go to work each day, I, I go into work and I, I work alongside of Christians and I, I, I meet some of you and, and we're Christians together and we're walking this, this Christian life. It can be hard for me. I'm confessing to you as a pastor to, to regularly cultivate the soil of walking with unbelievers because my day to day experience is largely I'm with believers. And so this message, dear friends, is as much for my soul as it is I pray for our souls together as the people of God. It's it's easy to get busy doing really good things, but it's also easy to lose sight of the primary things. And I believe we need to hear and be reminded of the words of Christ this morning. See, our world is in a place, would you not agree? Even even the events of this past week, our world is in desperate need of hope. The hope that the world doesn't ultimately need is a cure from the coronavirus, though, though that would be right. That would be great. We would we would hope for that. The hope that the world ultimately doesn't need is is a unified government, but Boy, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be amazing that, that we could see a unified government? But that's not ultimately the hope that we need. We don't ultimately need a rebound of the stock market. If you checked your 401k this week, you probably passed out as you saw the effect of the, this week on your uh, retirement portfolio, if you even have one of those. Well, that's not ultimately what we need, though a rebound would be nice. What we need is Jesus Christ. And that's what this morning is all about. We need Him. All these other things, you know what? They just, they grab our attention and we can put our attention there. But what we need and what this world needs is Jesus. And as we have opportunity, you know what? God has placed you in a certain family, in a certain context, In a certain workplace, in a certain school, on sports teams, and everywhere you are, God has placed you there purposefully. This came very real to us this week as an extended uh, family member in our family passed on. 
Aunt Marie was a joyful lady. Aunt Marie was Julie's aunt for all these years. She was, she was a loving, kind, dear lady. I believe she was a lady of faith. But I will say this, as we go to the funeral and we go in that church tomorrow to see extended family members, you know what? I'm not going simply to, you know, pat people on the hand. <clears throat> I'm going to encourage them, yes, by presence and by walking together, but I'm going also to watch and to see if the Lord would open an opportunity for me to share the hope of the gospel with someone as they're gripped with the reality of death. Last time this week, excuse me, last Sunday, a week ago, Aunt Marie was alive and breathing And now she's gone into eternity. And there are family members that I'll see tomorrow that do not have hope. I pray God would use me and Jules and my family to bring some form of hope. So, so this message is, is personal. It's, it's what I need to hear and I believe it's what we need to hear as well. Um, I'm in Matthew 9. If you didn't hear earlier, please turn with me there. And as we are about to read God's word, I just want to remind us together of the context into which we're about to drop. So who's Matthew? Who is he writing to? Matthew. Um, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. See, some of the Jewish people were awaiting, well, they were all awaiting a Messiah, a Redeemer, Yeshua. They were awaiting a Messiah, and some saw that Jesus actually was the Messiah. Some did believe in him, but some did not. And some put him aside and said, you know, this isn't the one we're looking for. Matthew is writing to that audience to say, yes, he is the fulfillment of all that we've been looking for in the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of these things. So he's writing in a particular way. And at the end of chapter 9, where we're going to find ourselves this morning, he's, he's consolidating his arguments so far, and he's reminding us all of what Jesus was about, what his mission was about. And so as we read these uh, verses this morning, I pray that, that we would hear them as commission, not just for Jesus, but for us as well. So Matthew 9, starting at verse 35. This is God's holy, inspired, and perfect word. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Father, as we have a few minutes together this morning, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, who is present here with us, that you would move through this word 
As we open up our hearts to you now, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Move our hearts. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at other people, what do you see? When you look at other people, what do you see? You might see people that are challenges and therefore people to be avoided. You might see hard personalities as as people to be sidestepped and, and do all you can do to get around those. Or maybe maybe you see people as possible friends. That's how you see people. Maybe you can see that they could bring a sense of joy or fun or security to you. The question that I want to ask for you to consider this morning is, when you look at people, what is it that you see? What do you see when you see a person on the street? What do you see when you see your husband or your wife walking into the room? What do you see when you see a church member? When you see people, what do you see? This morning, as I've been reflecting this week, and especially over the last few days, on this passage in particular... I see what Jesus saw, and I see just a little bit. And I want to see more of what Jesus saw. Do you want to see like Jesus saw? See, I I want to see like Christ, and I know that I don't always. In fact, I often don't see like Christ sees. See, every one of us, were born with a set of eyes, and some of our eyes, you know, we, we lose focus at times. That's why we go to the eye doctor, and and the word of God this morning is, is operating as an eye doctor for us. See, we go to the eye doctor because sometimes things in our eyes, they get out of focus. And we need a new prescription so that we can see clearly again. That's why we're in Matthew 9 today. That God might help us to get another prescription this morning. That we might see clearly because I don't see often like Jesus sees. You know what verse Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. And so I ask you, even as I ask myself, when you see people, what do you see? Two main points I see here today, and we'll just walk through them. Point number one, Jesus went mobile with the gospel Moved by compassion. Let me read verse 35 once again. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. See, Jesus kept his mission priority as number one. He went mobile with the gospel. And you ask, well, isn't that what Jesus came to do? Like, obviously, he's going to do that. I want to highlight this. Jesus didn't just have the truth and sit back and let people come to him. Well, like, hey, everyone who, who comes to me, I'll share with them the hope and the truth of the kingdom of God, the hope of forgiveness. No, Jesus had the truth. He was the truth. And he hit the road for the sake of the people that he had compassion on. Jesus went through towns 
and cities and villages and synagogues. He went to where the people were. He didn't just sit back and say, hey, I'll tell someone if, if they come up to me. I mean, sometimes that's my attitude. Is it not yours that, that we can be even willing to share, but like, well, let's just see what happens. Let's just see who comes. No, Jesus went mobile with the gospel because he loved people. He was moved by them. I want to be moved in that way. Do you want to be moved in that way? Do you want to see with those glasses? I want to see with those glasses. I want to be moved so that I don't just sit back and wait, but that I go and that I'm mobile for the cause of the gospel. See, God has put you, as I said a few moments ago, where he wants you, not just to sit back, not just to say, all right, let's you know, see what happens, see what comes. No, but to go and to, to, to make inroads by the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he's got plans And I just want to encourage us as we're hearing this message this morning, as we hear the word of God, I just pray that we would all be able to say, Lord, where you want me to go, what you want me to see, what you want my heart to be moved by, Lord, do it. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, Lord, do it. Because I want to see like Jesus sees. I want to be on mission like Jesus was on mission you know, this, this motivation of Christ, it says he was moved with compassion. Do you know what the word in the original, the, the literal meaning of that is like? It was, he was moved in his gut, deep within him. This wasn't some passing, oh, I, I feel sorry for those people, and he kept walking. No, it wasn't that. He was moved. Sometimes, as we know through the gospel, he was moved to tears. Because he saw people. And what did he see when he saw people? He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, what, what is it? What are sheep like without a shepherd? What does a shepherd do when he's helping the sheep? A shepherd, you know, guides the sheep to those green pastures where they gain nourishment and they can continue to live. A shepherd defends. A shepherd protects. A shepherd has a plan for the sheep's good, for each of their purposes, and, and he designs to get them there. A shepherd is a blessing to the sheep because he nourishes and cares for them. Without a shepherd, what happens to sheep? You know what happens? They scatter. They don't know where to go. And they can look and say, hey, there's something over there, and get caught in a deceptive thicket and end up dying from malnutrition. That's what happens when sheep don't have a shepherd. And that's what Jesus saw when he looked at people. He saw lost people and his heart went out to them. He just didn't say, oh, poor them. No, his gut hurt. Friends, does our gut hurt for people who don't know him? For people who are lost For people who are harassed and helpless without hope in this world. When they think the hope of this world is the rebound of the stock market. What thin hope is that? God, help me to have eyes like you want me to have. Help me to see people like you want me to see them. Because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd 
All those who are apart from Christ, they have no shepherd. Now here's the reality, dear friends. They may not know it. And they might not act like they're sheep without a shepherd. They might have two new Mercedes in the garage. They might be able to afford whatever they want to afford. They might have the world by its tail. Or at least they think they do. But they're without a shepherd. They have nothing. In fact, not only do they have nothing, there is a wrath that is coming to them. And I want to speak for a moment about an uncomfortable topic at times, and that is the reality of hell. This week I was driving somewhere, and I had about a half an hour in the car, And I found myself thinking a thought, and I said to myself, that's a hellish thought. It was a sinful thought, it was, it was just a moment, but it was a passing thought, and I said to myself, that's a hellish thought. Which caused me to think about hell. Hell is a place, a real place, where all unbelievers will go for all eternity. And what will hell be like? Hell will be like this, the absence of everything good, the absence of the light of the glory of God. It will not be there. All of the hellish thoughts that you could think of, bad things that you could do to people or bad things that would happen in this world, that's what hell will be like because God and his blessings are not there. Psalm 16 says this, in your presence there is the what? You tell me, the fullness of joy. God's presence will not be there. Everyone that you and I meet, dear friends, will live for eternity. Everyone that you and I will ever encounter in this life will live for eternity. And I want to be mindful of that as I cruise into my neighborhood and cruise up my my driveway and get the car in park and neglect a neighbor who's outside who maybe I can reach out to and neglect sharing a word of hope with someone who seems to be needy at Wawa. I bumped into someone not that long ago at Wawa, an acquaintance from before, and I just distinctly remember being in a hurry that day. And like they seemed to want to talk, and I did engage for a moment. But you know what? I, I don't know that I'm going to see that person again. I hope I do. This isn't about guilt, dear friends, by the way. Guilt is a lousy motivator. I'm saying Jesus is calling us to a harvest because there is a reality called hell. And when he saw people, what he saw was people who were like sheep, who are harassed and helpless, without hope in the world, And he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so he got mobile. He went toward them. 
He moved. He just didn't sit back and say, let's see who comes. He, he went toward them. I want eyes like that. Do you want eyes like that? It hurt him in his gut to see people that were going to hell. Lord, may it hurt us in the gut when we see people who are going to hell. Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, he said this in Matthew 25, 46, when he was speaking about those who didn't know him. He says, these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus did not shy away from talking about hell because he wanted it to motivate his disciples to be on mission To not lose focus. I can lose focus. You can lose focus. We can all lose focus. Jesus is saying to you this morning. When you see people. What do you see? Hell is a horrible and fearful place. To be away from that blessed presence of God. So, therefore, if hell is that horrible place, and what is the antidote to hell but the gospel of Jesus Christ? What happens when we, when we look at these two? We're not focused on hell. No, we're, we're focused on the gospel. And so the gospel becomes huge to us and glorious to us because this is the story of how God loved people so much, people just like you and me, that he sent his own son into the world and, and he took upon the wrath of our sin so that we wouldn't experience hell. How can we come to church on a Sunday morning and we're singing about the gospel and be like, oh, this is a yawn fest. Like, how can we do that? But, but we've done it before at times, haven't we? believe the Lord just wants to encourage our hearts today. No, 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 no. We're on mission together. Dear friends, we're, we're on mission and he's, he's extending himself to you to say, come and join me in the mission. So we see that he moves mobile with the gospel. He moves motivated by compassion and love for people because he knows that everyone that he met And everyone that we will ever meet will live for eternity. Second thing we see here, verse 37 and 38. The Lord is sending out, present tense, the Lord is sending out laborers. Then he said, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest, what is it? Is it barren? Is it weak? The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So let's start with what he starts with. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, he says, hey, look, the harvest is ripe. There are, there are, there are things to be done right away in this harvest. It's plentiful. It's, it's right there. Now, Jesus knows that we're going to face rejection as we share our hope, the hope of the gospel. He knows that. And he prays for that in John 17. He, he knows that we're going to encounter persecution, difficulty. People will call us narrow-minded, pig-headed, unkind and cruel. Do you know? I, I just read this this week. 
that the top Google search, when you type in the question, why are Christians, if you just do that, what's the next word? I read this Google report. Why are Christians so mean? That's the top Google search with those words. Why are Christians blank? So mean. See, truth, now, sometimes we are mean and and sometimes we don't act rightly. But what I'm saying is people will interpret the message of Christ as being mean and unkind. How dare you say that I need someone outside of myself? Jesus knows that. But he's still saying in the midst of all of that, he's still saying the harvest, it's plentiful. Join me in this work. You will see fruit as we join him in the work. So the harvest, it's plentiful. People are ripe to come to Jesus Christ, even in the year of our Lord, 2020. They are ripe for Jesus. So let us press on, dear friends. However, Jesus says, but laborers are few. See, God this morning is looking for willing laborers. Now, why does he call us laborers? Except that at times it, it might be hard. He would say participants or something else. No, he says, I'm looking for laborers. Is labor easy? No, labor is not easy. It, it can be hard at times. There's joy in it, but, but if we're faithful to the gospel, do you know what? We will face opposition. So he says the laborers, they are few. And so often, you know, if I'm honest, I can think of excuses why, well, you know what? I I have things to do. I I can't stop and belabor this conversation with this person at Wawa. I have things to get done and, and I make excuses. The laborers are few. So how does Jesus direct us, dear friends, to respond He goes mobile with the gospel. He goes motivated by compassion because he loves people. He says, look, this harvest, you don't have to conjure it up. It's plentiful, but I need laborers. So what does he say to us this morning at Grace Community Church? Look what he says in verse 38. Therefore, here's our marching orders, dear church. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So how does Jesus direct us to respond? Two things, very simply. We pray and we go. Notice how he calls us as a church to pray. This is, this is a command of Christ. This isn't a, a suggestion. No, it's a command. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly. Pray with passion behind it. Pray with life in it because it hurts in your gut. Pray that God would help us. Pray in church, pray in care group, pray for the prayer on on Thursday mornings with men, pray around the dinner table, prayer in your classrooms, prayer wherever you are. See, God is desiring to do good work in and through us as we pray. If you study the movement of the church in history, What is it that precedes any great movement of the church in church history? What is it? Is it economic conditions? Nope. Is it governmental issues? Nope. What is it that precedes a great move of God 
in the halls of church history. It's this. God's people getting together to pray. See, Spurgeon, a man of deep and abounding prayer, said this. Whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. This is what he's saying here. Look, there's a harvest Oh, that you would see people for who they are. Oh, that the church would have compassion and mercy toward people who need compassion and mercy. But the first thing to do, here's what we do. Therefore, we pray earnestly. We pray and ask God to do this work of of changing our hearts. You know, it's easy to coast. It is really easy to coast. No, let's, let's pray, dear people. Dear church, let's pray all the more. Pray on Sunday mornings as there's a group that meets here in one of the classrooms. Prayer each week. Let us pray. So we pray and then we go. Because in compassion, if we know the Lord, if he is our God, then we can we can go. See, we don't go alone. Anytime we go, we go with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then he includes us and to the ends of the earth see this is what God desires from us we pray and then we go in his power. So I want to call you to this, dear church, to seek to be faithful to the text. Are you ready to pray? Do you want to see people in the way that Jesus saw people? If so, you know what? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's let's just gather and let's pray. Do you want to be faithful to reap in the fields where God has put you? The harvest, he said, for you is plentiful. The harvest, for me, it's plentiful. Will I be willing to be a laborer in his field? See, my prayer first for myself and for us as a church body is that we would respond like Isaiah responded when he saw the glory of God and God was saying, like, who am I going to send out of compassion and love? Who am I going to send to these people? What did Isaiah said say? He said, here am I, Lord Send me. Notice what Isaiah didn't do. Lord, I'm so compelled by this. Send Jacob. Or send Isaiah. Or send someone else. You know, those people, they're more gifted than I am. I I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have the, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a teacher. Lord, send somebody else. I'll pray for them, but send them. No, he didn't. He was gripped by God. He said, here am I. Send me. See, God, God's not looking for you to have this amazing speaking ability. He's not looking for you to, to have this gift or that gift. He's simply looking for laborers in his field. Here am I, Lord, send me. Is that your heart this morning? Is that the heart that you bring to the Lord as, as we worship? And I pray for all of us that it would be that we would desire to go wherever he might call us to go. You know, there may be someone sitting in this room that God, in fact, has 
a call on you to go, not just to Souderton and Harleysville and Telford and Quakertown, but maybe he's got a call on you to go to some unreached group somewhere way in the world where they don't even know the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be great to go and to be the bringer of this gospel, the gospel of peace? Wouldn't that be great that he would call you to that? Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go? I believe that's what the Lord would have you to consider this morning. Now, by way of application, there are a couple ways that we as leaders in the church and the church body, we're, we're thinking about opportunities. How can we put practical feet to this going? Well, there are a few ways that we're thinking about and anticipating and planning for right now. So uh, I mentioned Easter Sunday is coming, so is Palm Sunday. Well, we're going to have an opportunity to give uh, flowers away again this year. We've done that the past number of years. It's, it's as simple as uh, on those Sundays we'll have flower pots up here. You can take one to somebody that would appreciate that. Most people, when they see you coming with flowers, especially um, ladies, but most people are going to say, hey, thank you very much. Even if they don't want to hear anything else, um, they're going to say thank you. So this is a way just to just to demonstrate the love of Christ in a practical way. Um, we're going to be doing that. So prepare and ask God, Lord, who would you have me bring this practical expression of love? Again, maybe a neighbor, friend, coworker. Just ask the Lord. He's going to lead you. Next week, we're going to have Easter invitations for folks to come to those services. Now, um, maybe again, you have someone in mind that the Lord has, has brought to mind through this message. Lord, am I willing to, to share with them? Am, am I willing to bring them to church? Am I willing to invite them to the bridge? Which, by the way, Kevin is going to have a, a table out there in the hallway somewhere for the bridge. There are, there are ways that you can be helpful to this gospel proclaiming ministry of this church. And so he'll be at the table to talk to you about ways that you can be involved in sharing the gospel through the bridge course. It might be setting the table. It might be cleaning up. It might be joining a prayer team. It might be a, a host of things. But let's together continue to be mobilized as a church body in these activities. Uh, someone this week contacted the office. We've been praying about this for a while, actually. This was exciting. Someone contacted the office this week and said, hey, you know those third Fridays in Souderton? Uh, if you don't know, from like... March or April through October on the third Fridays in Souderton, they close down the main street so that vendors can, can come and, and bring their stuff and like they have mobile haircutting and, um, you know, uh, restaurants bring their goods, etc. Well, we want to do something with that. We want to have a presence in our community in a way that, that is going mobile with the gospel, going to, to reach people. So someone from our church, um, you know, asks us, hey, let's, let's continue to go. We say, let's go. So you'll be hearing more about this as the plans develop. It's a little too cold right now for the, the Fridays in the month, but when they start up, what we want to do is have a presence in this community where God has planted us because God says to us, hey, you know what? The harvest, it's not barren, it's plentiful. 
We want to be participating. Finally, I just want to mention, you know, the whole flower giveaway, that thing, that was because someone contacted the church office on another year and said, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think about this? And we're like, that's a great idea. So if you have ideas about ways that you're taking initiative or you'd like to see us as a church body take initiative, let's talk together because God has us on this mission together. As, as we near the close, let, let me ask if you'd be willing, and if you're taking notes or if you can take out your phone, I, I want you to write these things down, if you can. If you've got some way to write these down, uh, these are three prayers that I want to suggest to you in response. I think they're pretty simple. I think they reflect the heartbeat of Christ in this passage. But I, w- I want to ask you to prayerfully consider three prayers in response To this word, Jesus calls us to pray earnestly. Here are three prayers. Lord, number one, Lord, open our eyes and our hearts. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts. Help us to see Jesus clearly. Help us to enjoy him because if we're not enjoying him, any, any labor in the harvest is going to become duty and we don't want that. So Lord, open our eyes and our hearts. Help us to see Christ for who he is. Make the gospel more glorious to me. Ask him to open your hearts and your eyes. Second prayer, Lord, help us to see people as you see them. Brother, sister, that's a dangerous prayer. If you're willing to pray it. Because you know what will happen? If you pray that prayer and you mean it earnestly, you know what's going to happen? It's going to start to hurt in your gut. You're going to be moved with compassion for people. You're going to be thinking about people who don't know the Lord as you lie down in bed at night. Because you've asked the Lord to help you to see with his eyes. Lord, help us to see people as you see them. And the third prayer, would you pray this? Lord, help us to go and to join you in the labor of the harvest. Help us to go and join you in the labor of the harvest. See, Jesus, he he never calls us to go it alone. In fact, in chapter 10 of Matthew, the very next thing, what is he doing? I don't know what your title says, but but it says the 12 apostles in, in verse five, Jesus sends them out. So he's, he's about ready to launch them out. And so, so can we pray this prayer? Help us to go. He doesn't send them out alone. He sends them with the help of the Spirit. Help us to go and join you in the labor of the harvest. As we close, let me leave you with this one thought. There will never be a day, there will never be a day when you will say, I wish I would have done less for the gospel. You will not be in heaven and thinking about your life here on earth and you will not say, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time sharing my faith with other people. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time reading and enjoying the Bible. I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time pursuing people 
to love them with the hope of Jesus Christ. You will not say that. I don't know what heaven's going to be like in this way, but if there are regrets, you might say, I wish I had put down social media and stopped looking for hours upon hours at at minutia that is here today and gone tomorrow. I wish I would have sacrificed and given time for the real things as opposed to the things that aren't real. You will never say, I wish that I would have shared the gospel with my family members less. You won't say that. So, dear friends, out of love for Jesus Christ, out of passion for his name, because we long to declare to other people the hope that resides within us. Let us respond to God when he's saying, who will go for me? Who are my laborers? May we have faith to respond and say, here am I, Lord. Here am I. Send me. Would you stand and pray with me? Dear Father, this morning we recognize this truth that, that it can be easy to hear these words of yours and actually think that we're responding, but, but what you're looking for this morning is a faith-filled, Lord, here am I, send me. We may not even be aware of the ways that you might want to use us, but you're not asking that question. All you're asking this morning is, are you willing? Do you want to see as I see? Are you willing to be used? Lord, grant us faith and grant us desire that we might be willing and even eager to be used in whatever way you want to use us, Lord. May you fill us with faith that we would say, Lord, here am I, send me.